I'm going to be talking um, tonight about the Holy Spirit. And I want to start by telling you um, something I remember very vividly at about the age of 11. We were on a ship journey back to Chile. My parents were missionaries, many of you know that. It was a long journey, about three weeks. And uh, I noticed at the end of this journey a dramatic change in my mother. Now, as we were growing up in Chile, things must have been pretty hard to grow up in quite a lot of sort of, um, they were quite short of money. Uh, there were earthquakes, military coups, a lot of political unrest. And it wasn't a great place um, for my mother. But, uh, and I always kind of remember a sort of heaviness, a kind of depression over her. Anyway, we get on this ship uh, where we'd been in England for a while uh, on a sort of what was called furlough, visiting relatives and friends, and we were coming back to Chile. And um, I noticed that um, when we got off that ship, my mother was a different woman. It was as if the engine had been turned on. She was filled with joy. She was in love with Jesus. And what had happened is that she got on the ship and she actually said to the Lord, I cannot get off this ship the same woman that's getting on. I need something to change. And day after day, she would walk around the ship and plead with God to do something. And by the time she got off the ship, she had had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I really remember it vividly changing things in our household. So I want to talk um, this evening about the Holy Spirit because we really value the work and ministry and we value the person of the Holy Spirit in the vineyard. We want him to be with us in everything that we do. Uh, it's why we invoke his presence most times we meet together. Uh, we have a genuine expectation that we're going to experience the, the Holy Spirit, we're gonna see him at work, we're gonna see manifestations of his presence with us. And so that's why we say, come Holy Spirit, because we really mean it. Now, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes, uh, the Spirit of Jesus comes and dwells in your life. Jesus lives in you by his Spirit. In fact, you cannot declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior without the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse three, it says this, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, um, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we can't curse Jesus, uh, and we can only declare him as Lord because of the Holy Spirit. So I want to make it very clear that if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you have the Holy Spirit. But the reason I want to talk about this tonight is because there's more. There's always room for more, more of the Holy Spirit. God has more for us, more ways to experience him, to know him, to be changed by him, to be empowered by him, to live uh, in the life of abundance that he set before us. Uh, he wants us to grow in his likeness, uh, to move in his gifts, to, um, to manifest the fruits of his spirit. And God did not leave us alone. He sent his Holy Spirit to us. So we're not without, without help. There is always more. Um, so when my mother had come into this experience of the Holy Spirit, she began to take a great interest of uh, wherever the Holy Spirit was moving. And um, I remember her taking me to some really exciting and quite bizarre meetings. So uh, my parents were part of the Anglican Church in South America, which was quite um, straight-laced, uh, to say the least. Um, but things began to change, um, and my parents became very interested in all things Holy Spirit. And so initially, we had to go and visit places that were not mainstream 
Church of England, Anglican, so to speak. And so I remember finding myself, um, at, this is about 11, 12, in a tent. It was called, it was a revival meeting. And um, uh, it must have been a Pentecostal gathering. And the woman who spoke from the front was very excited. And uh, every so often she would sort of burst into a, a kind of a babble, something that we didn't understand what she was saying, but it seemed very exciting at the time. And um, it, obviously it was tongues, but I didn't know what it was as a child. And then at the end, um, there was the um, invitation to come to the front if we wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there was a great sense of pressure that if you were to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you would actually speak out in tongues. And so as a little girl, I went up there and I waited and I waited. And all these people around me were sort of having these exciting manifestations and this extraordinary language would burst out of their mouths and some would fall and some would cry and laugh. And I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited waited and nothing absolutely I felt nothing I felt absolutely nothing now I remember going back to my chair and sort of feeling a bit embarrassed that nothing had happened to me and I never really spoke about it I felt ashamed really that nothing had happened to me and some of my sisters I'm convinced they invented it but they said something had happened to them and um, anyway uh, so uh, for a long time I didn't comment on it but I still found it very exciting to be in these kind of gatherings now I look back and I realize that though I didn't feel anything, that there was no manifestation, something had changed in my heart. I remember developing a growing appetite for Jesus at that young age. Now I was not very good at reading. I hated reading books, especially English books because it wasn't my first language at the time. Um, but I came across some books um, about a woman called Catherine Coleman that my mother had acquired. And I read these avidly. She was. Um, she would minister in signs and wonders. She would have words of knowledge. And the stories were of people who traveled far and wide to come to her meetings. And they would experience these dramatic healings. And I just thought it was wonderful. I remember um, crying when I heard people tell their stories of how they'd come to faith in Jesus. And at a young age, I was very, very curious about the spontaneous expansion of the church that we began to see in Chile around this time. When we saw in, in areas where there were no churches, small groups spring up, church leaders appointed, and the worship was just amazing. We called it long play when we sang one song after the other and nobody introducing something in between. So back, this was 40 years ago before uh, we knew how to do worship now because every time you sang a song it would be interrupted with another introduction but this was just amazing beautiful worship now I realized that what had happened is that the Holy Spirit was preparing me he was preparing me for what God was calling me into now it was years years later after a season of turning away from God and the church um, that I sensed the Holy Spirit wooing me back wooing me back to Jesus I remember finding myself in a meeting, sobbing my heart out uncontrollably during the worship. Simple song, love songs were being played on the piano by a man called John Wimber from the vineyard. And at the end, he invited us to come to the front if we wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, people were receiving and encountering the Holy Spirit in many different ways all around the room. And I went to the front and I felt this time a strong sense of the presence of God. I felt a weight come upon me and I dropped to the floor and I don't quite know what happened after that, except that when I came round, I was just so passionate about the Lord and I knew that my life would never be the same again. Now, some of you will resonate with parts of my story where you have wanted more of the Holy Spirit, you wanted an encounter and you've waited and waited and nothing 
physical seems to have happened. You've not experienced him in a way that you could um, recount or, or say that that was the moment when you experienced the Holy Spirit. But you may also resonate with having had a tangible experience, something that your, where your body reacted to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you did speak out in tongues, um, or maybe you fell down or shook or something else. There is a massive spectrum of experiences and outcomes by the encounters that we have with the Holy Spirit. But the important thing is, is to want the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle, he says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what he means there is go on being filled, go on being filled, and I know that I become quite dry after a season, I, it's as if I leak, and so I love these times when we come together and I just worship and I wait for the Holy Spirit, and sometimes I'll be quietly on my own waiting for the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, and sometimes there are manifestations and sometimes there aren't. In Acts chapter one, Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is vital to us, so I want to be clear, if you know and love Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. But we are encouraged by Paul to go on being filled, to want more of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person, he's not some entity, a, a, a phenomena. He has personality. He's the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's eternal. He was there at the very beginning of time. In Genesis chapter one, verse two. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit has many names. Here are a few. The helper, the comforter, the teacher of truth, the advocate, the defender. He comes to defend us. Isn't that amazing? The Bible describes the Holy Spirit again in lots of different ways. On, in one account, he describes, he's described as coming upon Jesus like a dove. In Luke chapter three, verse 42, and the Holy Spirit came down in a bodily shape like a dove on him. So on this occasion, the Spirit took on a visible appearance like a dove. Now the dove is a symbol of purity and innocence. When Jesus sent out the 72 to minister in power, he said to them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now one day my father was ministering to a woman who wanted to experience the Holy Spirit. She'd come to the front and uh, he was laying hands on her and then he stood back and he said he felt he saw um, the Holy Spirit come upon her like a dove. And then to his amazement, the woman spoke out in a, a language that she wouldn't have understood and many people wouldn't have understood. And what she said was, veo una paloma blanca. Now, if you speak Spanish, you'll know that that means I see a white dove. So he was just so amazed because he had seen the Spirit of God come upon her like a dove. And when she spoke out, having received tongues, the language that she received was Spanish, though she'd never spoken a word of it. And when he told her what she said, uh, she was amazed. Now, sometimes um, the Holy Spirit comes so gently, we may feel him like a breeze. You know, the Holy Spirit is so sensitive. He comes when he's wanted. He comes into an atmosphere of unity, 
to an atmosphere of acceptance. And so sometimes people feel the Holy Spirit like a gentle breeze, or you might look at somebody as they're being ministered to, and it's like their eyelids are fluttering. There's just this beautiful countenance changes on their face. Um, now, some people have spoken of the Holy Spirit coming like a wind. In Acts, they described uh, in chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. So, um, on the one hand, the Holy Spirit, gentle, innocent, like a dove, gentleness like a breeze. You know, we see the, the, just a gentle countenance upon people. Maybe tears come to their eyes. Uh, but at other times, he can come more like a violent wind and people can fall to the ground and it can be quite dramatic. I remember when I was speaking on prayer here, I spoke about the fact that in May, as we were coming up to Pentecost and the churches around Nottingham were praying together for the kingdom to come and for the Holy Spirit to come. And people from Nottingham were calling up police stations and the radio station and saying, what's the noise that we're hearing? They were hearing a whooshing sound. Now, I don't know what that means. Uh, we haven't heard any reports since, but perhaps it's a sign and a wonder pointing to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit also is described as coming like fire. In Acts 2, two chapter 2, they said, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, I don't know if uh, some of you, as you experience your bodies being freed from pain or stiffness or something changing, whether you experienced heat, but some people experience heat uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on them um, to bring healing. But also, um, at times when we're waiting on the Holy Spirit, we might feel our hands getting hot. And uh, we often think that that might be a sign of an anointing to heal the sick. And so if lots of people in the room's hands are hot, we would probably want those people to go and pray for people who are sick because it's a sign of an anointing for healing. Not always, but sometimes. Now, the Holy Spirit, as I said, can be experienced in different ways. It may be shaking. It may be falling down. It may be this countenance of peace. Sometimes people scream out. Uh, an emotion has been unlocked. Sometimes the Holy Spirit touches on areas of our life that are um, in deep trauma or uh, a great um, uh, turmoil is going on in their lives. And, and sometimes the emotions are uncontainable. And the Holy Spirit comes and he touches that area and, and it can seem quite disturbing at the time. But I want to just tell you we can trust the Holy Spirit. Even if you hear screaming or something a bit disturbing or, or you know, loud crying or gentle crying or immense joy and laughter at times, we call these phenomenological responses. It's rather a long word, isn't it? Phenomenological. Because this is people responding in different ways to the Holy Spirit. It's like when you put your finger in a socket and it's an electric socket, um, the person might shot a shoot across the room. They might pass out. They might become completely stiff. Uh, they might lose their life, you know, if it's a terrible shock. Or they might just get a buzzing feeling. We don't necessarily say that all those manifestations are the electricity itself. It's the response to the electricity. So the Holy Spirit comes and our, we respond in different ways. So we don't necessarily point to the manifestations and say, that's the Holy Spirit, but it's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Do you see there's a bit of a difference there? But the important thing is not to be afraid, to be open, for the Holy Spirit comes to set us free. He comes to fill us. He comes to renew us. He comes to bring us gifts and help us grow in the fruits of the Spirit. So just a bit more about what the Holy Spirit does. As I said in my own story, the Holy Spirit 
wooed me. I found him wooing me back into his presence. He woos us. He pursues us. Many of you are here in this room because the Holy Spirit drew you. Some of you may be looking back over your story of how you came to faith in Jesus and you see those moments in your life where the Holy Spirit orchestrated connections with people or something that you encountered and it brought you to a particular gathering or a meeting or a conversation happened. You can see how the Holy Spirit was working all along the way. Now the Holy Spirit comes in power. By the power of the Spirit, Mary conceived Jesus. In the power of the Spirit, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. Sometimes people feel the power of the Holy Spirit, like I said, electricity, a power moving through their body. Even sometimes when people are experiencing healing, um, as one of the women, I've just gone blank, I know who you <laughs> described the sensation, didn't you? Um, and uh, so, you know, people experience a sensation, a power moving through them. The Holy Spirit reveals God to us. He reveals God's nature. And he comes with the gifts of his spirit to give them to us, to give them away to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, starting at verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By the means of the same spirit, to another, um, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So in a given setting, in a room like this, any one of you could experience one of these gifts to help us as a body move forward in our relationship with the Lord, in our expression of God to this city, to one another, in becoming more like Jesus. And they're here to help us. They're here to help us forward the mission, the cause of God. Here are some of my favorites. Prophecy, we had one tonight, so encouraging. Prophecy may tell us something that we already know, but it confirms something that the Lord wants. So we may have a sense of something already. We may already know that God wants to do something because he's spoken through his word or he's, he's stirred us in some way. And then someone comes with a prophetic word and confirms it to us. It may be something about the future or something that's happening right now. It might tell us something that we don't know, something that the Lord wants to have happen and we, don't yet, um, we haven't yet considered it, we didn't know it was coming around the corner. It could be a, a warning, it could be an encouragement for something in the future and sometimes we just need to rest on those words. We may not want to act on them unless there's further confirmation but we just allow them to sit there until the Lord uh, brings the right time and further confirmation. There's lots of different ways that prophecy could be applied. I remember one time um, when a woman came to see me and she, we had been searching for land to be able to build um, a building. And honestly, this had gone on for a couple of years. We'd already raised um, a substantial amount of money to put down on um, a deposit and then to be able to have this building built. And uh, we had found different places in the city, but they'd fallen through. And finally, we had uh, the agreement from the owners of Easter Park that we could um, buy up uh, and have a warehouse made sort of to our, um, you know, our design. And it was going to be all the way around the back. So you'd have to go down the road all the way around the back. And uh, anyway, so this lady came to see me. She said, 
God wants you more visible. He wants you on the front plot. And uh, I said, well, goodness me, it's taken us, it, we're just so happy with what the Lord has given us. This has been a battle so far. So many you know, plots have fallen through and now we have this agreement. We cannot possibly go back to the owners of Easter site and ask them to change their minds and give us the front plot. You know, it's far too prestigious. You know, why would they want to do that? So I said, all we can do is pray. If this is what the Lord wants, then we, all we can do is pray. And that's all we did. We didn't talk about it. We just rested with the Lord. Anyway, a few weeks later, without any conversation with us, the estate agent representing Trent Vineyard went to the owners of Easter Park and told them that it didn't make sense for us to be on the back, that they should put us on this plot at the front. And, uh, and so Easter Park owners agreed, which was absolutely amazing. I mean, we didn't know in those days the tram would be built. We didn't know that we would need to acquire the, the plot on the side for the youth and training center, then the arches, that we would be able to get the other back plot to build um, now a children's center. I mean, all that was part of the Lord's plan. And if we hadn't got this one first on the front, we wouldn't have been able to get the others. And so the Lord knew, well, it was such an encouraging word because a month or two later, the whole thing fell through again. And uh, there'd been an economic downturn and uh, the owners of Easter Park decided they couldn't develop the site at all. And so we gathered some people together and we called out to the Lord. We came to the site late at night and we built a little altar of 12 stones through the fence just uh, probably around, just there, just that corner over there. And, um, and we just prayed quietly, and we, we didn't want to be caught on camera, because it all seemed a bit weird, didn't it? But, but, uh, but we claimed the ground. It was our ground. God had told us he wanted us on the front plot, therefore it was ours. Therefore, the owners of Easter Park would have to change their mind, and we would need some change in the economy of the land for it to come back to us. And surely it did come back to us, and here we are. So um, God speaks through people, and it is so encouraging. I want to share another word. Now, you'll see up on the screen um, a word that came to us in 2011. I've hidden the, um, the, uh, the author of the word, the culprit, <laughs> the prophet, because I don't want you all running up to him, but a lot of people know who this dear, dear man is in our church. Um, but I want to hide it because we can't keep running up to him wanting words, and uh, I want him for us, not for all of you. No, that's it. No. <laughs> oh, God does reveal the heart, doesn't he? Anyway, so, I, so this was back then, so Rich was going to come up and share the impact of this word, Rich Bolton, but he's not here tonight. He couldn't be here. And uh, in those days, he was clearly not married to Ruth, so it was Rich Bolton and Ruth McBrien, and it says, a church plant in seven years. Um, so that was back in 2011. Now, when Tom and Helen announced to our leadership group, of which Rich is one of them, that they were going to plant a church, and we were going to be releasing them after Christmas, so that's 2018, um, in Derby, Rich knew that the Lord had been stirring them, but he didn't have this word. And so, um, a couple of weeks later, I was rummaging through my files, looking for different words, because in these seasons of change, I'm, I'm grasping for encouragement from the Lord that we really are on track. And I came across this word, and I just thought this was so encouraging, I sent it across to Rich. Now, what I didn't know is that Rich and Ruth were just praying, Lord, it would be so wonderful to have further confirmation, because when you are literally stepping out in faith, and he's already looking for interviews, for new jobs, and things like that, it's a huge step of faith um, to move across to Derby. 
And so this came as a real encouragement to them that this was part of the Lord's plan. They'd already made the decision and this was confirmation. And it was also confirmation for Tom and Helen and confirmation for all of us again. So um, words of prophecy are so encouraging to the body of Christ. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the gift of tongues. This seems like a bizarre um, gift, doesn't it? Babbling away in a, in a language that other people don't understand. But I think it is absolutely wonderful. It's so freeing to be able to pray in tongues, to be able to worship in tongues. Most often, our tongue that comes in this sort of like a baby babble, um, something we don't understand, um, is directed towards God. It's a form of worship or prayers to God led by his spirit. It's so freeing. But there are times when we have a word given to the church in a tongue and there's an interpretation. And, and often that word is a word from the Lord to us. So I don't want to be categoric that it can only be directed at God because there are times when those words come as an encouraging word to us from God. Um, but it is a wonderful gift. And sometimes when we pray for people who come up to the front, um, many of us will start by just quietly praying in tongues. We just want to um, facilitate a work of the Spirit. We don't want to be too directed with our own thoughts. And so tuning in to the Holy Spirit by being able to speak in tongues is, is very releasing and freeing because we know that we're speaking um, directly uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorites, which we've seen tonight, is healing. I love um, seeing people healed. I love to see that manifestation of the Spirit when people get set free from various ailments, and we love to hear those stories. But what I really love is when we hear how unbelievers are affected when they uh, receive healing. So uh, one of my favorite stories was when our team uh, from Trent Vineyard were out on the streets of Nottingham. They had one of those big healing signs. And um, a woman came up to them with her daughter. And the daughter couldn't speak. And so the mother spoke on her behalf. And she said, um, can you pray for my daughter? Because her mouth is full of ulcers. She can't speak. And so they laid hands on her daughter. And as far as they were concerned, nothing happened. Um, but about two weeks later, this woman and her daughter showed up at church. It had taken them two buses to get here. And they came to thank the team because an hour after they left um, the city square having been prayed for, every ulcer had disappeared. Now, I don't know if, it had popped, if they'd popped off or dissolved or what happened, but they had disappeared. And so they had come to give thanks. Isn't that wonderful? Now, there are other gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, like discernment and wisdom and miracles and faith, and they're all so valuable as we seek to extend God's kingdom. They're undeserved. It's not because we're any more special, but those people who press into using those gifts more than others, those who take more risks, seem to become more adept at using these gifts. So I really want to encourage you to press in, keep taking those steps of faith, keep practicing words of knowledge. You'll find that they grow and they increase. Now, one of the greatest reasons that I think we need the Holy Spirit, even more than the supernatural gifts, which are wonderful, it's to help us bear the fruits of the Spirit. This is the real treasure. This is where people notice that we are different from the rest of the world. Galatians chapter 5 says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us, wants to help us with so much. It's to cultivate these fruits of the Spirit. 
that we could be a body of believers that operate in these fruits and that, and that you know, are in this manner operating and being in our workplaces, at the school gate, in our neighborhoods, everywhere, just being these, um, these kind and loving people. I was um, at a beautician's just recently, and um, as I lay there, uh, she was asking me what I did, uh, what I did for a job, and I said I led a church, and she wanted to know what a church was, and so I was trying to describe that it's a people, we worship God, we love Jesus, and we want to be a blessing in this city, and just, uh, you know, just explained a bit about it, and she said, well, oh, so are you like Catholic or Church of England? And I said, no, we're actually called the Vineyard, and she said, oh, Trent Vineyard? are you part of Trent Vineyard? I said, yes. And she said, I know loads of people who've used your building for conferences. Such an amazing place. And I've got clients and friends who are members of your church. And she said, it's such a kind place. Apparently, one girl uh, had been without a car for a month and different members of the church had lent her their car. Someone else needed somewhere to stay and people had put her up. People had had meals cooked for them when they had babies. She began to describe all these kind things and she kept saying, such expressions of kindness, such kindness. And I thought, isn't that a wonderful way to be known? How beautiful to be known as a place of kindness. How gracious of the Lord to allow us to be known in that way. Now, another thing that the Holy Spirit does is he's our advocate. He defends us. He exposes the lies of the enemy because we are living under attack. From the moment you were born, from the moment you were conceived, the enemy has sought to destroy you and kill you. He wants to eradicate you. He hates the fact that you love Jesus. He hates the fact that you would want to extend his cause. And so he is absolutely out to get us. And one of the best ways he knows to trap us is to lie to us. That's what he did at the beginning with Adam and Eve. He lied and deceived them. He lied to them about who they were, about God himself about God's nature, he lied to them. And that's what he does. And what the Holy Spirit does, he comes and he exposes lies. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches us, emotions um, come to the surface, sometimes quite loud emotions, because there are painful places in our lives where we have believed um, the lies of the enemy. We've believed things about ourselves that are simply not true. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he shakes those lies out and they, and they will need to be exposed. And so we mustn't worry when sometimes manifestations are a bit loud and disorderly because the Holy Spirit is doing something wonderful. It is appropriate at times to take somebody out into a quieter place where we can get to the root of what's going on. But at times it just might happen quite quickly and the Holy Spirit's just doing something sovereign. But I remember ministering to a young girl and um, she was crying out and she was clearly in a lot of pain. Her face was contorted, her whole body was bent up, just displaying a severe amount of despair. And um, she kept saying, as I, I went to her, I said, what, what are you sensing, what's going on? She said, I'm just so lonely, it's such, such loneliness. She kept describing this overwhelming loneliness. And so together we just said, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit to show us what is the root of this loneliness. And quite quickly, the Holy Spirit pinpointed a time when she was really young, where she had sensed um, serious abandonment. It wasn't just once, it was more than once, but it was just uh, a sense that she was very much alone and very vulnerable and in danger. And um, as we prayed, uh, 
we discovered that what she had believed were lies about herself, that she was not worthy of having friends, that she wasn't lovable. Because of this abandonment route, she had believed that she wasn't somebody that people would be attracted to in any way. She would never have friends, she would never be married, that she would be rejected from relationship after relationship. And so when the Holy Spirit came, first he dislodged this and there was emotion. Then there was revelation about what, this was, what the root cause was. And then the Holy Spirit came with um, the truth, the truth of who she was in Christ, the how much she was loved, um, how much uh, these were lies and they weren't true, and, and the hope that she could have for the future. And when I just um, left her, I was watching her just stay engaged with the Holy Spirit, and just the, her whole face had changed. I'll never forget how she was basking in the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, with a completely different look upon her face. The Holy Spirit also comes and he refines like fire. He shows us our sin. He shows us when we need to repent or when we need to forgive somebody. He doesn't come to accuse and lay guilt on us. He comes to show us something that needs to change because it's for our best. You know, he don't, doesn't want us to develop bitter roots. On a number of occasions, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me of sin. He's shown me my heart. He's shown me um, and given me a desire to change. He's shown me that I needed to forgive somebody or repent of something. Um, I recently uh, had the privilege of praying with an old lady who was in uh, a severe amount of pain because she had had a fall and she couldn't sleep because of this pain and my cleaner introduced her to me and I went round to this lady's home and uh, we began, I, I explained to her that I'd come and I was going to minister in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit that this was Jesus and she had some understanding of who God was because she'd been brought up in a Lutheran church as a child um, but she wasn't following Jesus, she wasn't a churchgoer. And uh, as we began to pray, first she experienced heat in her back and some measure of healing and freedom from pain. And so I said to her, let's see how you go and then um, you know, I'll come back again if, we, if you need more prayer. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, she still had some pain and so I said I'd come back. And on the way there, I felt the Holy Spirit say um, that there was somebody that she needed to forgive, that there were some things that she needed to repent of. Um, that there was something he wanted to pinpoint. And so I found myself asking her as we began to pray, do you have any regrets? And immediately she just, this great sadness came upon her and she talked about how um, her mother had stopped speaking to her. And what had happened is that she had become pregnant because her um, boyfriend had raped her. And, uh, but she was so frightened to tell her parents that she'd become pregnant that she decided to marry him. And her mother hadn't wanted her to marry him. And instead of getting to the root of what was going on, her mother just stopped speaking to her. So she married this chap, um, which was a very, very unhappy first marriage. Um, but uh, from that point, her mother didn't speak to her. And then her mother was diagnosed with cancer and died quite quickly. And so there was this deep regret in her life. And, um, and so I just said, you know, would you like to, do you think you could forgive your mom? And it was just wonderful to see her forgive her mother and then forgive herself for not having told the truth, which led to further agony and, and pain in her life. And, um, and then, to our amazement, um, not only did the pain leave, but she felt she grew taller. And it turned out that she had a deterioration in her spine. And... Um, and so this was also part of the thing. It wasn't just the fall, it was just this deterioration. So something was really happening. 
Well, for a few weeks, she was still in some pain, but, getting, but feeling taller, and, and the pain began to desist more and more. And then eventually, um, she's just been without pain for, for a number of months now. It's been probably about five months, um, which is just lovely. And she's had a revelation of the Father's love and the Holy Spirit guiding us in prayer. The Holy Spirit comes and reveals God, not just as Father, but as Daddy. He restores us to intimacy. He heals us relationally. And uh, we heard some beautiful stories of God restoring children when we listened to Joan and Titch from the Live Village in South Africa, and how some of these children with such deep, disturbed behaviors from being abused for, uh, in babyhood, uh, when they behave in an uncontrollable way, they, they take them to the room, the father's lounge, and they spend time with the father, and on a part of it, they, they encourage them to spend time in the father's tent. And on almost every occasion, the child comes out having heard directly from the Lord. And they just begin to start to develop an identity as God's children and become healed from the abuse. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life, a life surrendered to his cause, and he gives us boldness and courage. In 1977, on Mother's Day in the USA, the Holy Spirit fell not just on a few people, but nearly all the congregation of the vineyard in Canyon High School Gymnasium. There were about a 1,000 people present. Many of them spoke in tongues, and they received gifts of healing. But remarkably, in the following months, they baptized 700 people. They actually prayed for about 1,700, but the 700 are the ones who made it into the church. So on that occasion, when the Holy Spirit moved in power, it was unto something. And truly, folks, when the Holy Spirit touches us, as much as it's wonderful for us to receive the Holy Spirit, it really is unto something. It's about furthering his cause. So how do you encounter the Holy Spirit as I come into land? Well, do you want more of Jesus glorified in your life? Do you want him to use you? Do you long to see his power flow through you and set others free? Or do you just want to encounter him? Um, because it's a gift to be received. You can't earn it. You just have to wait and want him. You may need other people to lay hands on you, and we'll do that tonight. A young Asian girl um, came forward for ministry one Sunday, and she said, I need the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going back to my family uh, in a part of Asia, and I want to tell them about Jesus, my family and friends. And um, as she was ministered to, she felt a heavy weight on her feet, and it became so heavy that she couldn't move, and she really couldn't move for quite some time. And it reminded me of um, the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter six, the living Bible version says it like this in verse 15, wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. The shoes um, ready to, sh to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So it seemed that the Holy Spirit was anointing her for exactly what she wanted, which was to deliver the good news to her family and friends.